funky way to just say triple two in the year calendar uh but today is going to be a nice interesting engagement with a nice set of guests um you've probably seen from the previous episodes we've covered property a lot um but this one's probably going to be even more exciting uh we have an all-female panel and i think that's quite deliberate uh it's going to be a very interesting one and you'll see exactly how each person contributes to the discussion uh, but from my side, name is Peter Mebe. I've co-host with Mbali. Uh, Mbali is going to be hosting today, but she's not available. Uh, but today's discussion is going to be very interesting. Again, we're always covering property, covering personal finance, and we cover everything that relates to young Black professionals and that relates to mental health, GBV, uh, finances, relationships, etc. And that's the, always the goal centered around young Black professionals and covering that dynamic. Uh, about the experiences one would typically have. Uh, but to get the ball rolling, I think it would be quite irresponsible for me not to introduce our guests. And these people have quite, a, I want to say CV, uh, but quite a profile of guests that are quite distinguished in what they do. Uh, so before we start, I'll be going through each guest. Uh, just basically introduce yourself, uh, your name, where you're based and what you do. Uh, yeah, get, let, let people know a bit about you. So I guess I can start with Liz, um, unless you want to be called by Lisa, because that's the name that shows on, on, on here. But Liz, the floor is yours. No, Liz is fine. So I'm Liz, originally from Johannesburg, but I relocated uh, to Durban area. I work for a tech company and I am in HR. Perfect, perfect. Uh, Pamela, the floor is yours. Hi guys, um, my name is Pamela Makubela. I am based in Morningside. I am a property enthusiast, love it. But um, my profession is I'm an attorney, I'm a conveyancer, soon to be notary. I'm a property valuer as well. Um, I serve on the board of the Property Practitioners Regulatory Authority, which basically regulates property practitioners around the country. And I'm an avid runner. Great, great, great. Yolanda? Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Yolanda. I am in the sales and marketing space. So I'm a trade marketing manager for an FMCG company. Um, passionate about property. Um, I think if I wasn't in sales and marketing, I'm probably also a teacher by heart. So I also like to speak a lot about my journey and all the mistakes I made. And I'm an avid sport lover. So I'm into tennis and cricket and really enjoying the proteas right now. Slashing. India <laughs> in cricket. So yeah, that's a bit about me. Great, great, great. I was hoping you're also going to plug your YouTube channels and stuff, but I will talk about <laughs> that as we go about. Yes. Cool, cool. Uh, so for this, just to start off with, you can just switch off your mics. Uh, obviously, I'll ask you the questions and you can just feel free to switch on your mic again as we progress with the discussion. Um, so today's discussion, again, is going to be centered around property, but this time we're going to be talking about uh, the young dynamic of how someone enters a property market uh, the things one has to be considerate of, of or considerate of, and what kind of things one needs to be aware of, whether it's the hazards, the that kind of small nitty-gritty information one would typically not get uh, if they got a call and they were on property 24 and just wanted to click quote and take it away from there. 
so we're going to ask the, quest, the guests some of these questions around that. And then we're just going to be covering the dynamics and the experiences in the property market. But as a good icebreaker, I think we, we don't just jump into the conversation. So we're just going to keep it quick. I think one thing that I would like to ask each of you is mostly to understand what has been the one thing that you feel from a financial point of view is one lesson you learned last year in terms of your finances. So it's just going to be one thing that you learned last year in terms of finances that you've kind of actually realized going into this year. So I guess I can start the same sequence. Uh, Liz, the floor is yours. Uh, it can be anything really. Um, so in the previous year, I decided to invest in my film school education um, and I broke an investment in order to be able to pay for the film school and I ended up not even finishing the film school. So that was a big lesson in terms of I should have just planned for um, and saved for the cost rather than break an investment in order to, to pay for it. Oh, wow. Uh, hopefully, I guess this year, you also kind of have that kind of thrive as well. But like you mentioned earlier, that uh, there's also other goals you have in mind. Pamela, on your side, what is one lesson that you kind of took away from last year? So I would say, and I think I've, I've generally been pretty good with uh, money um, because of the lesson that my mother gave me. Um, she said one thing when I left for varsity, she said, just remember, when I started working, she said, just remember, the life I've given you is because it's a life I've built over years. And it's life I can afford because I've built it over years. So now that you have your own money, let me not find you trying to live a standard that you haven't worked for for so many years as I have. So what I have done with what I've taken that with me, which I've carried every year, keep a list. If you can't afford it, there's lay by. If you can't lay by it, save for it. If you can't save for it, then you can afford it. That's all I learned. Wow. My mom got bars, if I can call it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, Yolanda, on, on your side. Yeah, this one is very personal. But I think the biggest lesson for me last year was the importance of having an emergency fund. You don't think you need one until you find yourself in an emergency. And like for me, this was actually uh, property related. So I own two properties in Joburg that I'm renting out. And obviously, as you guys know, COVID has not been kind to landlords. And I had issues with one property that was vacant for about two to three months. So struggling to find someone uh, to rent it out and also issues with another tenant um, that couldn't afford to pay rent, right? Because they got their salary cut. So Luckily, I did have an emergency fund to cover me for those months, but it just, the one thing that stood out for me last year is it's so, so, so important to have an emergency fund. Extremely, extremely important. So just grateful for that. Okay, great. So I guess now we can get the ball rolling. I just wanted to have like an understanding of exactly how you navigate your finances and I guess what the plans are for this year. Uh, but I guess we kind of have an idea about that going forward. Now, I think just to start the discussion, um, some of the questions I was asked by some other young professionals, I guess, uh, by virtue of what I do, I get to interact and have a lot of discussions with young professionals about property, life, et cetera, career choices. And hence, we have so many topics. Um, and one of the first questions I caught is, is property still worthwhile investment in South Africa, considering there's, there's so many alerts about interest rates going up, uh, issues around people saying they've been 
misled by real estate agents, et cetera, et cetera. So the question is basically is in 2022 for young black professional, mind you, this is someone who's a female. She just started working last year and obviously working under COVID jobs, scarcity is tough. So you having a job, you still have that uncertainty about your income. Well, what, what would you tell someone like that is, is from your personal view, is property still worthwhile investment for a young person to look at or, or not? Uh, Liz, the floor is yours. Geez, I was still thinking about this one because it's a conversation I was having with myself um, with regards to now buying a second property with um, the immigration levels being what they are at the moment. Do I still want to buy in South Africa or do I want to save and invest in a different portfolio at the moment? So it is a, it's a good question and one that I haven't quite resolved even within myself. I uh, appreciate that. I guess it's a very broad dynamic question for one to kind of simply say yes or no, but I, I, it's just more so to understand on your personal side, would you think it's one someone has to kind of look at it from a particular lens or not? Uh, but Pamela, what would, you, what would you say to the question, Pamela? Look, I think for me, when, when you know, everyone wants to be a, a homeowner, I, I believe. I think that the, the core thing about um, having a property um, speaks to the ultimate um, asset, you know, the land situation, a property is land in itself and it gives you pride. So um, for me, 2022, certainly, um, you know, Liz makes a valid point by saying, you know, you need to do an assessment, obviously. You, you can't just look. And so if you're speaking to a newly um, young professional that just entering the professional space and they want to go into the space and buy property and say, look, Peter, should I buy? For me, it's, You've done the assessment, and once you've done the assessment, I, I, I say go for it. I, I say you, you're looking at, at, at interest rates might be going up, but interest rates won't go up rapidly. In, in you know, and the reality is that, of course, there's guidelines to that. But I think for me, I would say go ahead. Number two, uh, and and after making that decision, or before even, it, it it's making sure where you're standing and understanding whether you are now ready for it. But the, whether you should buy. Absolutely. Has it been a buyer's market? Absolutely. So why not? You know, I would say capitalize on that, of course, taking certain things into consideration. Um, but if a young professional is coming in and the finances are looking good and we can sit down and look at the, the, the rents and cents and you say, should I buy? Go right ahead. Why not? I mean, this is an asset. There's so many ways how you can keep having that. But the point is, it's 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 it, it's just it's a no-brainer for me. Um, if the the the, the can I add something there. to what Pamela's actually saying? Sure. Uh, property is also historically known to be a good asset. Um, so that's why you can. It's like an assessment, yeah. as Pamela's saying. It is historically known to be to be a good asset to have. So if the question of finances is covered, if question of um, uh, it as an investment property is covered and, you know, you're not going to move around or anything, then yes, <laughs> but obviously then there's the other factors. Yeah, yeah, very true. Yolanda, Absolutely. on your side, do you share the same sentiments? Yolanda? Uh, I think she has network issues. 
Uh, I'll probably come back to her, uh, probably give her one more minute. Uh, but I guess for okay, the sake so of- for, There's a key difference between being homeowner, so buying a property, to see your goal is to make money. How do you make money through property? Either through capital appreciation or through cash flow, right? And if you're approaching the journey of buying property from an investor perspective, then there are key things that you need to look at, right? So, for example, you need to make sure that you do your research. You take your time, right? You need to find the right property in the right area at the right price. You need to be able to negotiate. You need to be able to crunch the numbers, you know? What does appreciation look like in a couple of years? What does my cash flow look like from a monthly basis? So I think for me, the biggest thing is, is it a property market? Is it a buying market? Well, it depends, you know? You need to do your research. And if you can find those gems <laughs> that will make you money, then you can call it a property investment. Good point, good point. Uh, I think we had lost you a bit earlier. Uh, but I, I guess we had found the rest of your message. So I pleased, I was happy this network came back. Um, but yeah, that's that's a very good point, especially if you understand, is it a buyer's market, a seller's market? And as to the point earlier, the, there's also a sentimental value of owning a property beyond just, you know, you want to make money out of it. Uh, hence, it's either investment property or it's just for the sake of, you know, let's say you want to have a home to live in um, and et cetera. But I think now to move to a point of where, like I mentioned, you're a young professional, now you're looking or you just saw an ad on property 24 and the question is, you see whether I should rent, you see this nice house that you see, wow, it's, it's an amazing house, two bedroom. Uh, you can have a nice party, bring all your friends over and have a girl's night there. The question now becomes from that stage, what are the things that you should look at from terms of uh, one, a cost perspective. So for example, in fact, let me not even start there. Let me say, for example, you, what, what is the first step one should look at? Once you've now seen a property you like, is it a case where you contact the real estate agent and what is the kind of things that you have to be made aware of from that? So basically just the question is more so what are the steps to take from, you see a property you like, what is the next step you would consider one has to be aware of going forward? Uh, Liz? Are you speaking in terms of renting or are you speaking in terms of buying? Buying, buying. So let's say you want to buy a property. So, okay, so you, you like a property on Property24. What are the steps that, well, you know, even on my property channel, I don't like speaking as an expert in the field. So I'm just going to speak from experience about what I did. Um, firstly, I worked out my budget. Uh, from the get-go, I knew what I would spend or be willing to spend on a property because um, then that influenced the bracket that I put in in property 24. So say for example that has happened and the bracket the apartment that I like or the house that I like is now on property 24 and it is within the bracket of the houses that I then afford. I contact the real estate agent um, to view the other thing that I did was run comms on the property, the area. So, for example, I stay in a complex called Manhattan Muse. I went onto an app 
I went Manhattan Muse and how much have these properties, um, apartments specifically, because that's what I'm more interested in, how much are they selling for? So that when I get to the viewing of this place, I know that um, block B2 sold for uh, 700,000. This is the same size apartment. So 700,000 is where I would go. If the seller was asking for more, then I knew that I could negotiate for less because of the comms. So that's why I do. I go um, set an appointment with the uh, agent and then run my comms for that area. And then obviously, as you view, you'll be able to pick up things, but that's at an, a, a later stage. Okay. Um, you mentioned the app. Uh, hopefully, at least, it's, it's, is, it a, is it a publicly available app or is this something that's uh, someone it is? Use? It is a banking app. Um, can I say the bank's name? Uh, sure. <laughs> Yes, so um, on the FNB app, it's called Nav Life, and then you go to Nav Home, and then you enter in the complex or the street name of the place that you are viewing, and then it will show you the comms of how much properties in that complex have sold for okay. over the uh, past couple of years. Okay, perfect. Thanks, Liz. Uh, Pamela, I guess. And as, as an extension of that question, um, one, what are the steps one should take from now looking at a property they like? Um, there's also a question around, obviously, the different parties involved. So there's obviously the real estate agent. There's also potentially the conveyancer. There's also the bank. Um, and I'd like to obviously break down to each of those different parties and exactly how does one approach each. Uh, but from your view, what are the steps one should be at least made aware of, especially dealing with these, each of these three parties or other parties involved from your side? Okay, um, so I'll just I'll also just like to add on, on what Liz was saying um, on, on the point of the apps. Um, so we I work for a firm called STBB. Um, we have an app that you can download that has calculators on it, right? Um, I'd start at the point where you are saying, you've seen there's an ad. Obviously, the easy part is to then reach out to the agent, right? Um, from a legal perspective, what I usually tell people is that, I mean, when you've, you, you've called Agent Peter and he's like, okay, let's go view, right? I always tell clients, take your time, open the cupboards, open the door, check everything, open, open, like literally look at the tiles, ask about the, the leaks that may be potentially there, ask about it's almost because why I'm where, where I'm going with this, Peter, is that there's something we call patent and latent defects. And patent defects are things that you can see. Because if you if, if you if you open that cupboard and you, you see that, oh goodness, there's, there's something wrong here, you really can put in the contract that look, please can this be fixed? If should I be interested in the property? Check the windows, take, check, 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 you know, the taps, check all those things. Take your time when viewing the property. That's where I would say. And when your agent is there, let them hold your hand because agents are also there to hold your hand, you know. Ask them questions. That's what I would say. And and, and again, you know, I know we hear this everywhere in, 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 in our social circles, in our work, um, in areas that we work in where they say there's no such thing as a stupid question. Ask as many questions as you can, you know. Um, so those are part of the things because you find that a purchaser has bought now, the transfer has taken place. They find out there's a leak 
and the next thing you are sitting with the, with, with, with the latent defect because you can't see it with the naked eye at the time that you're viewing the property. But because you bought in summer, in winter, it wasn't raining. So you won't pick that up. But in, in, now that it's summer, you are, the property is transferred into your name and it's summer and it's raining and your ceiling is getting damaged. And the seller says, well, I didn't know. You see what I mean? And it risks, the onus is then on the purchaser to prove that the seller knew. You see those dynamics. So we, I, I usually say that if you can just take your time, don't get pressured, even in, in because you know you've got a seller that's obviously telling you that, look, I'm selling, I need this to go, and you've got an agent that's also trying to push a deal. Don't get pressured. Let the process go slow. Um, assess where you are, how you're feeling about it. Think about feng shui. Is the energy right for you? But I mean, when we're talking about the the mortar. Check, look at it and ask yourself that if you don't, if you see a problem, if you see something that you may find that you're concerned about, ask, you'd rather ask. Um, and again, reach out to people like myself um, who are specialists in, 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 well, you know, I'd like to call my, I'd like to think that's what I'm working towards. But, you know, reach out. You, you, you want to you wanna know what, 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 what. How far can, can can you negotiate in terms of the things that you're seeing and the problems that are arising? Now, that's more on the mortar side, right? Um, on the more financial side of things, now that you've seen the property and the, they're probably advertising it for 2.2 mil, right? Let's off the bat. Um, most people, first-time buyers, um, most banks, well, all banks actually, have um, a great initiative of actually giving first-time buyers 100% bond, right? Now, to the layman in the street who hears 100% bond, they think, well, I'm sorted. I'm just going to apply and they're going to assess my income and they're going to say, I can afford this. And then you're not thinking about transfer costs, which is where I come in. Because if I'm going to be appointed as a conveyancer to transfer this, 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 this property from the seller into the purchaser's name, you need to pay me for my services. Now you've got a bond. Usually, and this one, this is where we start tapping into the parties. When we're talking about the conveyancer, the seller is the one who appoints the conveyancer. You know, purchasers must always know that just because you are paying doesn't mean that you're the one who appoints the agent. But if you think about it, the seller owns the asset. So if I am getting rid of my asset, if I'm alienating my asset, then it's automatically says that I'm going to I'm going to decide who's going to do it. I'm going to get an attorney I trust, a conveyancer, right? That's the one part. So the conveyancer is already in the picture. Then there's the bank. The bank, if you are bonding as a purchaser, will appoint their own conveyances that are on their panels to be to attend to the bond registration. Those are two accounts that you have to pay. Do you understand? So I think for, for, for most people, what I would say to, to just sum it up for them is to say, when you're doing the, the viewing, trust yourself, ask questions and analyze, look at the little things. You know, if you if you do get a bit confused and you want a bit and you've gone home and you're like, I actually want a second viewing, trust yourself. That's okay too. It's a it's a process. You know, you you are about to invest one of your biggest assets, your your fund and your money and, and your, your 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 work and, and, and effort into something that you're gonna have for the rest of your life, you know, until whenever you alienate it or not. And then secondly, be aware of the finances, you know, uh transfer costs, there's a scale like those calculators that is released by the Legal Practice Council, the deeds office works hand in hand with that, that tells you in which if you're buying in a bracket of 2 million, then that's what the transfer cost is going to be. 
you know, so those are the dynamics. So the parties that would be here would be the purchaser, would be the seller, would be conveyancer, would be the bank. So you do get a bit overwhelmed. Another party that people don't know is the bond originator. Okay, so a bond originator is the one that will assist you to kind of look at the best deals out there. Banks have also that. So look at your bank as well. Thanks, Pamela. And mind you, this is a very open, dynamic conversation. So feel free to chip in if you want to extend what you said. Uh, but Yolanda, I guess you've heard the discussion yes. about the different parties that are involved. Uh, what's your view so far upon what, how does one navigate those different parties involved? And I think also just to extend to that, maybe you can also answer to the point of, you mentioned something about emergency funds, savings, and et cetera. And there's always been this rule of thumb people read online, you know, you have to put 30% of your income as, as a consideration for as a bond payment. Uh, what are the kind of guidelines you think are from a financial point of view should one, you know, for saving wise or for, uh, how much should one look at in terms of the budget towards a property? Yeah. So I don't want to repeat what everyone has said, um, but in terms of the journey of purchasing property, I think there's one important thing I want to point out, and that is making sure you buy the property at the right price, right? So most people will go on property 24, you see a property for 1 million, chances are the true valuation of that property is actually not 1 million, right? And then people will just jumpstart the process and put in an offer for 1 million. Guys, please, please don't do that, right? So what are some of the resources you can use to actually get the true valuation of the property? Um, there, there's a Lightstone report that you can use online. Um, you can also reach out uh, to your personal banker to assist you. And chances are the true valuation of the property is probably like 20 to 30% lower than the price that you see on property 24 right and what that does is so i'm a fan of negotiate everything okay i negotiate everything not for my financial even with my partner even with my family i negotiate everything in my life right right so what that does is it gives you a good standpoint you know where the base is for you to start negotiating guys never put in an offer at the price that you see on private property or property 24. I think that's like my biggest, biggest advice. Now, to just speak in general about, you know, finances, savings, and I feel very passionate about this one as well. I think most people, I, I think as a young working professional, definitely when you start working, there is pressure to just buy property for the sake of having your name on the title deed and just being a property owner, right? Um, there's definitely the personal element to it. You know, it feels good. Um, but there's also the status part of it. You know, you're buying a property because you want everyone to see that, you, you know, you're a property owner. And I think it's really important that before you even consider buying the property to make sure that your personal finances are in check. Now, I know personal finances are personal, they're personal to you, they're personal to me, you know, but there's certain steps that we can all take to make sure that our personal finances are ready before we even embark on the journey of purchasing property, right? Number one, you want to make sure you try to get rid of all the bad debts. So if you have any credit cards, if you have any personal loans, you know, try to reduce that as much as you can or get rid of it, right? You want to make sure you have some sort of savings or emergency fund before you even 
consider purchasing a property. Why? There's so many upfront costs that come with purchasing a property, but also there's monthly costs, right, that come with owning a property versus renting a property out, right? There's maintenance, you know, <laughs> things that come up that were not planned for. So you need to make sure you have that cushion and you're comfortable with your finances before you even consider purchasing your property, right? Then once you decide, okay, you know, I'm comfortable with my finances, you know, you've done your homework, this is how much I can afford. I would say, rule of thumb, make sure you don't spend more than 30% of your take-home income on the actual bond repayment of your property, you know, just to give you enough money to be able to cater to all the other needs in your life as well. So yeah, that's my two cents on that. Boss, boss. I, I think this conversation is going so well, and I think it's, I'm even getting a WhatsApp. Just uh, some yeah, questions can I even... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> um, I'd like you know, I I, I like um, what Yolanda is saying, and and you know, part of part of the the reality of our country is that you know that you know the four of us might be sitting here, and then we kind of made it into varsity and all of that, and whatever the case may be, right? The reality is that. Our, our 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 history informs us that we have financial issues you know you, you've just been making it you know you've just been you know I mean I I, I served my articles at the time and I was I was you getting paid a certain amount and the responsibilities are just you know they're telling you you need to have a car and you're like whoa you know but one of the things that I then did when I started when I then started kind of becoming a professional I did exactly what Ian was talking about. I took care of the bad, bad debt. I, I told myself, I wrote a list um, that I'm, 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 I'm committing to paying a thousand rand or 500 rand to this debt. Until it's done, there's, there's no luxurious spending for me. There's no shopping. I'll just have to survive with what's in the wardrobe. You know, face, be stern with yourself because the truth of the matter is she's speaking to a very real, Yolanda is speaking to, 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 to the reality because you're going to walk in there and say you're going to apply for a bond and they're going to assess you and they're going to say, but hi, um, Mr. Kekana, what's going on here? You actually think, you know, so people need to be really realistic about that um, and, 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 and try to teach yourself to manage your finances now. You know what I mean? Tell yourself that even if you have a credit card, once it reaches 2000 you can no longer use it until you've paid it up. And, and then further to that, the financial intelligence, we, we, we don't know how many resources by merely having a bank account means that that bank is serving you. So you can walk in there and be like, can I speak to, speak to a financial advisor? Because I'm a client. So it, it's, it's so many things that she's talking about that, that, that resonates with the fact that we may speak of the situation right now, but the preparation and the aftermath is what's, what's going to inform whether you're in a good um, financial stance to even own property or rent. Um, and like she said, is, is ownership always the, the goal? Sure, but sometimes it's not re- you're not ready. And if you're not ready, take that money, put it aside. Once you're ready, then you can make an informed decision. That's, that's, that's a good point. And one of the things I was having in this book, one of the conversations I was having in preparation for this episode yesterday, uh, there was a point where amongst another professional lady, she was in the, a friend of mine, uh, they were both suggesting that if, let's say, for example, you want to start a family in the next two, three years, and now you're like, but I want to buy a property, those kind of factors kind of now inform your decision making. It's like, ah, okay, what if even things like location, you know, let's say you want to be close to work, 
Um, but now if you're stuck in a place that you have a property in Pretoria, but now you have to relocate in two years to a job that's in Cape Town, should you now leave to be rented out and so forth? Is that worthwhile, et cetera, et cetera. So there's just so many things to think about. But I think the good point, like you mentioned, both of you is around the financial aspect, uh, around the financial education that's important. And maybe this is a question I can lead to Liz to answer. Because the first question I ever got when I proposed this idea amongst the people I was talking to was about credit. And you know, some of you guys mentioned credit cards and et cetera. And there was a question as to whether is a credit card even worthwhile to have to build credit. Mm -hmm. And even then, you know, typically most of us don't have capital. So how important is it to put a deposit down for your property? Um, so Liz, I don't know what's your what's your take on, the, on, the, on those points. Okay, so I'm going to um, maybe make three comments. Um, the first one is with regards to financial education. Um, you don't need to have gone to university to get financial education. You don't even need to speak to a financial advisor, although it's best to speak to a financial advisor, but people who have five rand in their bank accounts don't always feel the need or have the they have pride to go to a financial advisor because they think a financial advisor is going to look at them and they five rand and go, what's going on here? But there's um, there's Live Better Academy by Capitech. You don't need to be a Capitech cardholder to go into Live Better Academy. It tells you about credit. It tells you about um Budgeting, it tells you about saving, it tells you about when you are in debt, what are the methods that can help you come out of debt. And within two years, if you follow this academy, because it's got courses on it, um, and you actually apply what you are learning, whether you are a learner, which is anyone in high school, a student, a person that isn't in university, but is an adult. If you apply those, um, your, finan your financial knowledge will grow and allow you to then purchase a property if that is your goal. Um, then to the second part about the credit. Um, so I got, as I say, I speak from my experience and how it has informed me. I got a credit, uh, a credit card when I started working, but I I always knew that I was always scared of credit. I, I think I've said this on my channel as well. I've always been scared of taking out loans um, when students in university were taking out um, clothing accounts. I was like, hell no, I'd rather not have clothes or live on hand-me-downs than go take out a, a credit card. And that's because I've known aunts that have been paying this one this one clothing account for all their life and I was like I don't want that but I did take out a credit card and that was to help my credit score as they say and it did it did help my credit score in a way that I took credit the minimum and I mean like they the bank wanted to give me like 30,000. I took out 1,500. I used 1,500 and I done the monthly installments. And that is all I used that credit card for. It was to help build my credit score. I wasn't living off my credit card. Um, 
it I wasn't using it as an emergency fund, definitely not. Um, I wasn't using my credit card to fund a lifestyle that I could not afford. My aim, because I didn't want it in the first place, was for it to help build my credit score. Is there different ways that I can build my credit score? Sure, yes. But for me, this was the easiest and it's also the easy, one of the easiest to close. I don't know what my third point was. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I think uh, as we we'll go back, we'll just recircle back and probably just re reiterate what your third point yeah. was. Uh, but you, you did mention about, and I think each person has their own experiences with credit. Um, personally, I think I was very hesitant to take credit. In fact, I probably still am. It's just obviously I do have an account, but I'm like. I'm Even a, now, I, I'm also quite hesitant. I, as Yolanda said, I even after buying the uh, property, I am so cautious of what I add to my list of, of debts that if it's not necessary, I don't have it. If I need to close it, I close it. I the, the house one, the property one is the biggest one. And I'm not trying to add any more unless I'm adding another property, of course. Okay. No, that's, that's a good point. I mean, I'm someone I hate bank SMSs. As soon as I see it's my bank deduction from my account, I literally have a near-death experience. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's a very good point. Um, let me go to Yolanda and I'll go to, to Pamela afterwards. Now, obviously, you've heard this question around finances, credit cards, and maybe you can also answer to that. Um, there's also a question about how do you negotiate uh, with the different parties on how to reduce potential costs around a property? So what are some tips or views you have around negotiating uh, in your favor uh, with the different parties? There's obviously the real estate, the, the buyer, the, the seller, I mean, and also the bank, et cetera, et cetera. How do you negotiate on your part to ensure that at least you're not, they say this property is gonna cost you, all things included, cost you 20,000 rand. Is there ways in which one can just look at, these are things you can look at negotiating town. Yeah. So I think um, the biggest cost that will probably make the hugest difference um, in your journey of purchasing property is the actual price of the property, right? The listing price of the property. So that's what you, you want to start with negotiating. Um, I did obviously make reference, you know, that make sure you're aware of the actual real valuation of the property and use that as a benchmark. Um, what really helps, especially if you are an investment property, pro, uh, sorry, investment um, property person, is you want to find a distressed buyer, right? And this is why I always say, take your time and make sure you have the upper hand uh, when you're a property investor, right? You want to make sure you find the right deal. And how do you do that? You want to find a distressed buyer, right? Someone that could be relocating and needs to get rid of a property fast. Um, someone that maybe is struggling to pay off the property, you know, and they just have to sell it as soon as possible. And those are some of the questions that you would ask your estate agent, you know, why is this person selling the property? Because once you know the why, then you know, you know, sort of which pain points to address during your negotiation. So it's very important to know why the person is selling the property 
and use that as the basis of your negotiation and make sure you know the true valuation of the property, right? So that's the cost that will make the biggest difference um, to your journey, the actual price of the property. Then you obviously also want to be able to negotiate with the banks and make sure you get the lowest interest rate possible, right? Now for this one, you don't have to do this by yourself. You do have um, a bank originator who can assist you with this process, right? where you approach the various banks. And sometimes the bank that you bank with is not going to be the one that actually gives you the lowest rate, right? So please do shop around and make sure that you do find um, the lowest interest rate. But I think those two are probably the two most important costs that you have to have to negotiate without a doubt. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Another thing you can negotiate on, and I think Pamela can maybe jump in with this, is the... Uh, the bond attorney, if you move the conveyancer to the bond attorney or ask the, them to be one, um, I think you can negotiate on this. And then you get, because we, I did that. I didn't realize I was doing that. And then they're like, if you if you make us your bond originator as well, we'll give you a discount. I'm like, oh, okay, but Pamela, I'm not certain if um, that actually does happen. Pamela? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for instance, we will, um, we we have a transfer department at our at our at our firm, and we have a bond department, right? And we on the bond side, we sit we sit on the panels of the banks. So, by virtue of you being on the transfer, that's the first transaction that we're attending to. And then they'll say, if you if we if you are uh, if we then get appointed as your bond attorneys, then you are our client. On a second deal, because these this, we don't necessarily see it as one deal. It's two different deals because the one is instructed by the bank, the one is for the seller. So what we then say is that when you then are on a bond, then you that you then get a discount. And even the bank sometimes will say, okay, no, but because you attend to, to the you attend to transfer on this end, we'll give the the the, the purchaser this amount of 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 of, of um. Of discounts, so that's already a very nice one. Um, and you can always ask. Like uh, some banks won't um won't necessarily allow it. They'll say no. We have our system of how we choose. They have a um a system how they they allocate deals or or, or instructions to conveyances. And some will say no. Okay, no, that's fine. We we open to that. Why not? Um, if it's going to be to your advantage, that that that's what you must look at. And I mean, that's that's a significant amount of money that you can save. So yeah, sorry, this uh, is right. Go ahead, yeah. Just uh, um, another thing to add. One also important question to ask the state agent is how long has this property been on the market? If it's been on the market for a while, chances are you have room to negotiate and the buyer might be desperate to get rid of it. So just wanted to add that point as well. Good point. Good point. Um, maybe the person is running away. You at least can just think about you know, getting the property as soon as possible. Uh, can I point. also just then add to the negotiating of the bond and transfer? There's, um, I'm just dropping for people. <laughs> there is um, better bonds. So if you use them as your bond originator, they give you a certain amount off or uh, I don't know if it still applies. Also, if you go specifically, I mean, if you go to specific banks directly without a bond originator, they will also give you an amount off. So you should weigh those pros and cons because I know uh, the Green Bank, um, if you go to them, well, 
back then, I don't know if they do it now, so don't hold me to it. Um, back when I was purchasing, if you went straight to them without a bond originator, they would give you about 10 K off your bond, um, bond registering fees. So has a, a system where they give you a discount if you do the, your bond origination through them. Okay. That's okay. why researching is very important. Don't just go with the bond originator that Uh, your real estate gives you that experience with uh, a bond originator that I would not wish on anybody. I almost lost my property because of that. Um, but you also have to do research with that. That was something I was blinded to about that bond origination because I was so focused on property, getting purchasing the property, saving for the money, and then the bond origination almost let me down. That's a, that's a good, valuable lesson for one to be made aware of. Um, Pamela, there was a question which I had, and this was asked by, well, someone who's also, I guess, is interested in the legal side, is now you, get a, you have a property, right? You have an asset in your name, um, and there's obviously consideration that you want to use this property as some form of a session or some form of uh, to give, to give, seeding it to something. What kind of things does one need to be made aware of should, let's say, now you own a property, but you want to use the property uh, in consideration of, let's say, you want to start a business and obviously you want to seed your property as some form of security. So basically the question is more so in what ways can a property be used in some form of security or collateral to your benefit? I don't know if you can answer that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always, it, that's always a tricky point, but all things that one decides to take on and I don't want to call it a gamble, but um, you know, because that's a that's a big asset to, to, to put as collateral. Um, but where I'm going with this is that so, so there's things like collateral bonds, for instance, where you can then almost get and this property to be linked to you getting some a further security, or you can get a security bond, or you can get, you know, or you maybe need a certain amount of money and you can use this money. Now I I, it all, like I said, personal circumstances will always play a factor, you know, um, do I recommend it? I don't know. You know, it's, it's, I, I, it's, 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 it's tricky. Um, now if you're going to use the property to make you money, that's a different story. That's what I think should be something start small, get a little property. And, and, you know, I, I, I want to even go back to what we were talking about earlier and, 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 for, for the sake of what this platform is about, you know, we don't want to stay on the surface and, and, and not be realistic and not be realistic that part of, of your viewers have a lot of debt. Part of your viewers are, are not confident right now. Part of your viewers are just, they've lost hope that, oh my God, these people are talking about restructuring. These people are like, I don't even, I don't, I don't even have a thousand rand at the end of the month. You know, so I'm then saying that to that point, I want to say, even if it's a hundred grand that you say, that too is still enough. We also need to give people hope that, you know, Rome was not built in one day um, and we understand our historical issues. So that said, we need to then create a safe space for these young professionals to then say, where do I start? You start with hundred grand, you start with 50 bucks. It makes a difference. You know, that's, I just wanted to go back to that point, but on another point where, your, your property, look, 
and then again, you're also dealing with people that in, in the space that 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 have a lot that's happening. You know, you're starting a business that's booming. You really need money. That that option is there to use your property as a collateral when you go to the banks. That property is there to for it to be used as a security, you know, a security bond or a further bond to be to be registered. Those options are there. What I would say. When you even want to engage in something like that, sit with someone that is well-informed. Then you really need a specialist. Then you really need to sit down with someone who understands, who's going to explain to you from A to Z what you are doing. You know, because we, we could sit here and be like, don't do it. But you have an opportunity to get into, buy into a company and you really feel like you want to further your, whatever, as we were talking about side hustles, having other hustles. The reality is in that moment, the only thing you have, you're like, I have this property, you know, because the, the mistake we also don't want to make, Peter, is that we don't want to sit here and, and, and be, be, be talking and not talking to the reality on the man on the ground. Do you understand? So my thing would then say, if that person wants to use that property as a collateral or is considering other avenues of using this property in some whatever way, sit with a specialist. Sit with a specialist. And if it means that if you don't even understand it, you approach a, a, a Liz and say, hey, Liz, you know, I don't know. But, you know, maybe sometimes because we, we all are not exposed to, to the same things. But Liz can then say, oh, you know, I actually know a Pam or let's go to the bank. Let, let's just go to the bank. You know, let, let's just go ask these questions. So, you know what you are putting your property in, what are you using it for? That's security, what you're going. So I, 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 I just want to say there are those options. There's further bonds, there's collateral bonds. There's a, in those terms, even when I, as a conveyancer, had to read them over and over again to understand the concepts. So I can't imagine what it would mean to a layman who's trying to understand those concepts. A good point. And I guess just that one financial literacy, but also just literacy around properties itself. And yeah, mm. I wish maybe there was a better way in which, as a country, we could get more young people to understand these dynamics and not be caught on the other end, where now you're now trapped in a situation where you can't get out of because you could have been educated or informed about some of these things. Um, but for the sake of time, I think what we're going to do is what I call the quick, quick questions that we basically run through. It's going to be just, just keep a simple answer. Uh, these are very simple, generic questions. I'll, there are other questions I could have asked you, but uh, I think for the sake of time, uh, I'll just let those for probably another session or for, for probably on your own platforms, you guys can also kind of engage in or share your views or also I'll give opportunity for you guys to at least share your own contacts in case people want to reach you and ask you for your opinion or your advice on something. Um, but yeah, just going to keep these questions very short. Um, these are almost like, you know, just give a simple one answer thing, one minute thing and just give your view. So I'll start with Yolanda. Uh, you had previously left, but at least I'm glad you're back. Um, just, just give you a quick view about, I'm just going to throw a statement and just express what you, what's your view on that statement. Okay, so the first question I have here, sectional title is better than freehold. Go. So I currently own two properties in a sectional title, and I can tell you that it is quite a headache, right? So I think it depends on your own personal needs, right? Sectional title means that you live in a community. There are certain rules um, that you have to follow. Um, there are certain um, fees that you have to pay, like levies, et cetera, which you won't pay if you, have, if you live um, in a freestanding house. But also the benefit of a sectional title, which I think is relevant to most of us as young professionals, is 
and also i think just the pack and go mentality of it right you don't need to look after the gardening and the surroundings of it right so it could be convenient for a young professional so which one is better there's no direct answer to that i would advise that before you buy into a sectional title make sure you understand what the consequences are make sure you understand what it means make sure you understand everything that you have to pay and go for the decision that makes that makes sense for you depending on where you are in your life at that point in time Perfect. Um, let me go to Liz. Uh, so there was a question I had, uh, but it's most of a statement. Buying property in a location or rural area is better than buying in a suburban or in town. <laughs> Your take. Your? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I don't grow, grow up in the rural. Again, this is almost like Yolanda. It's all up to, to you. Apparently, it's cheaper to build in the rurals, um, but you also have to be cognizant about now work. Um, do the rurals all have electricity, sanitation, uh, your children, all, all that dynamic. So for myself, I don't I don't grow up in the rurals. Um, I rather than just go to what I know. But also, when I buy property, I do what I know best. What I have the most knowledge on, I don't have knowledge on the rules, unfortunately. Perfect. Pamela, um, this one's more so of a statement. Um, I'd rather take the financial knock of having a property in place where I feel the most comfortable over rather than living in a property which you can afford, but don't enjoy living there. <laughs> oh, wow. Huh, wow. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean that. I know Peter. I Peter. I Peter. Peter, we want both. We want both. We have to enjoy it. We want both. You can't choose. Yeah, I mean, these are statements are God given. I would say I would rather live in a place where I'm knocked a bit because I can always survive better. I can always. Go do better and hustle more. A place I don't enjoy, that's my sanity. And I, there's no trade for that. You know, so it, it, I'd rather say that because if, 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 if I'm negotiating with myself from a point of, okay, right now I can't afford it, but I'm like, okay, but I can still go find a side hustle. You know, I can still draft contracts. I can still um call your land and be like hey you know whenever you need me to do whatever for you i can call Liz, whatever but there's an opportunity for me to get out of that now a place where i live every day i spend weekends there my sanity my oh no 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 <laughs> nah good point good point good point uh, i don't know if it seems like everyone else wants to chip in there uh, do you agree or just probably be the second last point. I'm very interested to hear what they would say. I do, I do agree. Um, I think purchasing property is such, I think within the beginning, is such a personal thing, right? Um, and it, it is your place of sanity and your place of peace. Ideally, in the perfect world, you want to find a balance between the two. So when you're yeah. looking for the property, find something you can afford, but something that you really like and you know you will enjoy, right? It might not be an easy process, but ideally, in the perfect world, well, you want a combination of the two <laughs> but if you had to choose definitely your sanity over everything just, that's where you spend most of your time yeah okay now i was thinking literally if, if now 
I was literally thinking now well, I'm living in a, in a house, which is not even Instagrammable. I can't even post about it. I can't even invite people over, but at least I'm saving. I don't know if that's a good trade-off, but that was one of the but questions I've asked. People must also know their, their means. I, I think you must know what your, your, I mean, I want a Gucci bag, but Gucci is not where I'm at. And even if I were to buy a Gucci bag on layby, they don't do that. I've tried. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You'd just be hurting yourself and being regressive in learning about finance. That's where people find themselves in debt. So if it's a matter of living in where you want to live and having an affordable place if you actually spend time in the property market not 100% but 90% you will find that property that doesn't knock you unless you yourself don't know your finances okay perfect and i think that's that's a that's a there's always a middle ground and i think if you just take effort to research uh, and you the due diligence, I think you'll be able to find the property that at least can balance both sides. So I think now for the sake of this will probably be the last closing, you know, it should be like a closing statement, if I can put it like that. Um, there was there was there was the question that, you know, if there was one thing that, you know, as a young black professional, and this is not necessarily related to property, um, if you were to look at yourself when you started working, uh, or you know, you got out of varsity, what is the one thing you wish you knew at the time in terms of finances that you know now that would have changed or impacted your life in a way or something that you think you learned now that could have played a significant role for someone who's particularly young um, or just started working. Um, I can start with Yolanda, then we'll go to Pamela, then we'll go to Liz. For me, I'm gonna make a statement and the statement is, There's only so much, right, that you can cut and save within your budget, right? But there is no limit in terms of how much you could make, right? So I think when we talk about personal finances, a lot of people will say, you know, look where you can cut, cut down on this. Maybe don't have a cup of coffee every day. Make your own coffee at home, you know, maybe um, have a packed lunch at work, etc. And that does work to a certain extent. But guys, there's only so much you can cut out of your budget, right? So as a young professional, I would say focus your energy on how you can increase your streams of income because that is limitless, right? And if you are on the journey to financial freedom, that is what will get you there. Yes, a budget is important. Yes, you need to live within your means, but your earning potential is limitless. Do not limit yourself. Valuable point. Uh, yeah, this is side hustle, second income, very valuable. Pamela, what was you? Yeah. I think for me, it would also not be as so much as it's more consistency. Um, I would say always understand your means. And so I would then say Continue to walk into a room and know who you are and what you can afford. It goes a long way. That's that's the lesson I've taken for me. It goes a long way to be able to say, no, I can't make it to that dinner. Learn the word no to certain things. No, I can't make it to that. You know what I mean? Because if you know your if you know your your if you know your 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 means, you then understand where you can trade and you can't. 
And you, you find that a lot of the lifestyle we now have, or back then when I was like, I'd be invited to a party, knock, maybe my mom, my parents will send me my, 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 my monthly allowance. And because this one thing I'm involved, I'm, I'm invited to, I, I really want to go. And I've spent the money. Now the money's gone. It's gone. I'm struggling now, you know, as opposed to now the boundaries, I have them. If, if I'm getting invited to a place where Yolanda says, or Liz says to me, look, we, we're going to this place, but you know, we're going to have that. No, I, I, I have to assist. I Google the, the, the place that we're going. I see what we're going to be drinking. I see what we're going to be eating. That already informs the budget. That's what I'll say. I'll say to just always know your means. It goes a long way. I would have loved to have that. There would have been a lot of debt that would have been avoided. There would have been a lot of emotional or even mental strain that I didn't really have to go to because I wanted to fit in whatever the case. So I would say, trust yourself, stay within your means and Google that menu, man. Google that menu. <clears throat> good point. Good point. I'm literally laughing in my mind because uh, yesterday um, a friend invited me somewhere and I, I saw this place was quite expensive, but in my mind, I'm thinking if I'm not there, and here I am sitting at home and literally yeah. payday, paydays a few days away. I'm thinking, mm, either go out, take the knock for the weekend or eat, sit in and eat my lousy leftovers. And yeah, I guess it's all kind of things you have to kind of be willing to say no. So that's a very good point. Uh, Liz, mm -hmm. what's, your, what's your parting words or your lessons that you think one should take into cognizant? Um, I think because I'm actually recording about this, it's start young i mean your education and education is not tertiary always going to a tertiary institution um we now have youtube i wish youtube was around uh when i was i'm not old but when i was you know a bit younger um start young with that education start young with learning how to budget if you get a hundred rand every month segment that into do you have an expense do you have nice things that you need to do this month is there something you need to save start saving also when you are young and also touching on your lander's point start young with your um, multiple streams of income start young with I wish I started young with my financial education I wish I started young with learning how to budget I wish I started young with the multiple streams of income you learn more when you 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 learn you, you're a sponge when you are a younger so you're able to be elastic as well uh, sponge and elastic I don't know where I'm going with these metaphors but just start young Good point. Um, so yeah, I think. Oh, uh, and it's never too late to those that are old. It's never too late. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's probably a good point to end with. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people, especially who listen to the podcast, are either in the mid-20s, late 30s, and a few mostly in the late 30s. And you find the demographic mostly experience a lot of challenges financially. And you find a lot of people, you move to a big city, probably from a small town or you went to a college, varsity or whatever the case is. And now you start working. And these are kind of experiences and thoughts that you have to kind of start thinking about, especially now that you're getting older. You also have the pressure of from back home. You know, a lot of black people have things around black tax that you have to contribute. You probably have so many dependents that you need to be kind of aware of that you need to help out with. And I guess these kind of conversations help us navigate and help someone kind of think that, 
maybe I'm not alone in these experiences and how does mm-hmm. one, some, mm-hmm. someone else manage these situations and kind of take value from those kind of conversations. So yeah, these, I really appreciate each of you guys joining the conversation. I had so many other con- questions I'd ask about tax and uh, so forth, so forth, pre-approvals and uh, yeah, we, I couldn't get to all of them, but I, I know each of you have your own platforms uh, and you have your own spaces where at least I can ask people to kind of engage with you either on your socials or on your email or whatever the case is. So at least people can get advice. So I would definitely ask for you guys to share that um, uh, after this. Uh, I'll send you a, con- a message and you can just respond to that. Uh, please also send me your pictures. So at least I can use that on the promo banner for the, for the episode. And then, yeah, I will let you know. It probably takes a day and then tomorrow or Monday, the podcast will be out, episode will be out. Uh, but from my side, I think I sincerely appreciate each of you guys. I think I've made a couple of notes as well from some key points. And yeah, I'll be editing and let you know once the episode is out. But from my side, I really, really appreciate it. And I say thank you. And I will probably reiterate that to the for the people listening, but also would like to say thank you. So yeah, uh, but enjoy your rest of your weekend. I'll try my best thank to you. let you know once the episode is out. And yeah. That's, that's all for my side. Thank you. Thank we you. Appreciate it. Thanks, ladies. Thanks for the it was so much fun. Good. Yeah, it was. I wish it was a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I'll also do, I'll send an email with each of you guys' contacts. You can just send me your, your LinkedIn if you want, number, software yeah. number, whatever the case you want to share in case you want to interact with each other. So, yeah. But thanks for yeah that would be great as well so that i mean you know the more people see them you can always link people up and they can see their yeah. platforms and it's an opportunity for my practice as well so yeah yeah perfect okay thanks guys i uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend i will be in touch enjoy your day thanks, guys Lisa. i'm thanks, so anxious to land up guys bye 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 bye